Welcome to A Fork in Time, the alternate history podcast. Welcome back to A Fork in Time, the alternate history podcast. Alexis back in the host here today. For today's show, we're going to do something we've done once before on the podcast, and that is take a look at how the rulers of a country would be different if a specific event in history had turned out just a little bit differently. We did something similar to this when we discussed who would be the current monarch of the United States if George Washington had been given the role of monarch instead of being the country's first president. That was on episode 54, so be sure to listen to that episode if this is a topic that might interest you. Today's topic is going to cover who would be the Jacobite monarch of Great Britain today if that line had been allowed to continue and they hadn't switched over to Hanover and Secession. If you're not familiar with the term Hanover and Secession, don't worry, we will get into it as we go throughout the podcast today. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear from one of the partners of the podcast. Taking a break from today's episode, Don and Alexis here talking about something we're really excited about. We've added a sponsor to A Fork in Time. Yes, we've grown up as a podcast. (laughs) And uh, today we're going to be talking about that sponsor, and that sponsor is Audible. Audible provides audio programming. They provide audio books and other audio-themed programs, primarily probably known for their audio books, but that's not all that they do. And what's cool about Audible is you can listen on any device, for example, a smartphone, you can listen on your PC, and these are unabridged, complete works. They have over hundreds of thousands of titles on audible.com that you can download and listen to. And one of my favorite ways to read is to be lazy enough just to be read to. Uh, also, now I'm driving, my commute to work, something that I can have in the background sometimes. I really do like audiobooks, and Audible, hands down, in my opinion, is the best provider and service uh, for Audible content, audio content there on audible.com. I've been, been an Audible subscriber since 2006, so uh, I go back quite a ways with them. Alexis, uh, I know that you also use Audible and you like to listen to some things here. We're an alternate history podcast, but sometimes that means we actually read and listen to things that are real history. Yeah, Uh, we have to do the what did so we can do the what if. Yeah, you hear that all the time. So, for example, what are uh, some recent books on Audible that you've listened to that are actually in the historical what did? Well, surprise, surprise, they're British. Who would have thought that? I know, right? Um, One of the books I've listened to recently, which is really good, is The Six Wives of... Six Wives of Henry VIII by Alison Weir. Uh, Alison Weir is a fantastic Tudor historian, so uh, pretty much anything she's written is fantastic. So uh, The Six Wives of Henry VIII was really good. And then I've also listened to The Greatest Knight, which is the story of William Marshall, who was a courtier way back in uh, about a thousand years ago in the, uh, the English court, and uh, he had a fantastic life, lived through many different reigns of many different people, so he was kind of a prolific person. So both of those I would recommend. They are fantastic reads, fantastic listens with Audible. Audible. Yeah, and here's, here's the deal that we've done for you, which is that, uh, like most things, you probably want to try it before you buy it or test it out. So the offer is this. Just go to audibletrial, T-R-I-A-L dot com, slash a fork in time. 
And the offer is this, you can do a 30-day uh, free trial membership, and with that trial membership, you get one download, a credit for a single download. That's a full, unabridged audiobook, for example, an audio program. Again, over 100,000 titles to choose from. Uh, you can listen. Uh, I, I think once you do it, you'll find that you're hooked, and you'll find that uh, it's one of the best ways in the world to read is to be read too, even even if you're not five. <laughs> it works really well. So we would encourage you to take advantage of this offer. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash a fork in time. Uh, you get something for free and it helps the podcast. We hope you check it out. First off, I want to apologize if you're hear, hearing any noises in the background. I think my upstairs neighbor is cleaning. Uh, so if you hear any noises, I think that's what that is. Uh, but before we really get going on the topic today, I also wanted to mention that something that's going to come up in the episode is the 1746 Battle of Culloden. If you would like or need a little bit of a, of a refresher on that topic uh, or that event in history, take a listen to episode 62, where we cover that in detail. Now, as with the George Washington episode, this is all completely hypothetical. Although, where these two scenarios differ is that in America, there was never an attempt to institute a monarchy, while in Britain, uh, with the Jacobites, there were a few attempts to reinstall the rightful, and I'm using air quotes there, at least in their eyes monarch, in 1715, 1719, and most notably the Jacobite Rebellion in 1745 that culminated with the Battle of Culloden in 1746. So let's first go over the real succession that occurred, something we didn't have to do uh, in the George Washington episode because we're talking about Great Britain. The first monarch in the line of Stuart kings is James I of England, who comes down from Scotland, where he's ruling as James VI, to take the throne following the death of Elizabeth I, who dies without heirs. Quick side note, I'm going to refer to the monarchs going forward with their names in England, even though the numbering is slightly different in Scotland, just to try and cut down on some of the confusion. Now, James and Elizabeth are cousins, since James's mother, Margaret, was the sister of Elizabeth's father, Henry VIII. This is one of those cousin jumps that we mentioned so frequently on the show, and another uh, will actually come up fairly quickly in the timeline, as we'll see. Actually, quite a few come up. Following the death of James, we have his son Charles I coming to the throne. This is the king who actually gets ousted from power and beheaded during the English Civil War because Parliament thought he was becoming too powerful. Then following a period of about 11 years where England had no monarch, in 1660, Charles II is invited to come back from exile and take the throne of England. He is the son of Charles I. Charles II does not have any heirs when he dies. Well, legitimate heirs anyway. There's a furry little woodland creature we could chase with that for quite a while, but he has no legitimate heirs. So when he dies, uh, since there are no heirs, the throne then passes to his brother, James II. This James has two daughters from his first marriage to a woman named Anne Hyde. They are Mary and Anne. They are both raised Protestant, but when Anne Hyde dies, James converts to Catholicism and marries for a second time to a Catholic. His second wife, Mary, gives birth to a son, James, which prompts a panicked response from Parliament, who do not want the country to convert back to Catholicism. Uh, remember, we've done the whole swing from Catholicism with Henry VIII and the su subsequent uh, successions, so now we are Protestant. We don't want to go back to Catholicism, so that's why there's this panicked response from Parliament once the son of a newly Catholic monarch is born. 
Parliament then invites James's daughter from his first marriage, Mary, to come back to England from the Netherlands, where she is living, and take the throne of England along with her husband, William, which they do in 1688. That's actually known as the Glorious Revolution. James II flees to France with his wife and new baby son and dies there in 1701. The followers who adhered to him and his direct descendants from that second marriage, being the rightful monarchs of the British throne, become known as Jacobites. Toasts were actually made to the, again, air quotes, king across the water as a reference to the rightful king of Great Britain being in exile on the continent now. So all the James II and then his son James and then those descendants are known as the kings or queens across, across the water and toasts are made to them. Mary has no children with her husband, who rules Britain jointly with her as William III. So when he dies, the throne passes to her sister, Anne. Again, James II had two children from the first marriage, Mary, her younger sister, Anne. So Anne now sits on the throne. Anne formally unites the kingdoms of England and Scotland into a single kingdom, Great Britain. But she also dies without heirs. This is when the second cousin Jeff that I mentioned earlier takes place. Because Parliament does not want a Catholic ruler on the throne of Britain, the Act of Settlement was passed in 1701, meaning that a bunch of claimants get skipped over until we finally land on a Prince of Hanover named George, who is the great-grandson of James I. This is where we get that term Hanover in succession. They are in Hanover, which is in Germany, but they come over to England. He comes over from Germany and establishes the House of Hanover, Then following him, we have his son, George III, George II, George IV, William IV, Victoria, Edward VII, George V, Edward VIII, George VI, and finally the current reigning monarch, Elizabeth II. So that's a quick overview of the real succession. Now let's have some fun diving into who would rule the country if James II had never been kicked off the throne. After James II, we have James III, the son of James II by his second wife, who was Catholic, Mary of Medina. He came to the throne in 1701 following the death of his father and rules until his death in 1766. Next up, we have Charles III, who is the son of James III. In the real time, this is the person known to history as Bonnie Prince Charlie of Battle of Culloden fame. Charles III dies without heirs, so the throne passes to his brother, who would sit on the throne as Henry IX. In the real timeline, this Henry was a cardinal in the Catholic Church, meaning he wasn't married and he had no children. Obviously, if he was in the line of succession, he most likely wouldn't have joined the church and he probably would have married. But I'm going to stick with the assumption that he had no heirs, which is totally plausible considering he sat on the throne because the person before him had died without heirs. So after Henry IX, we do have to do another one of those cousin jumps, and we land on Charles IV, who was a third great-grandson of Charles I through Charles's daughter, Henrietta. Uh, we have Charles II and James II. They had a younger sister, Henrietta, so that's where we're getting this line to descend from. In the real timeline, this man is Charles Emmanuel IV of Sardinia, which is in modern-day Italy. Uh Henrietta had gone over to Italy and married a noble there. So we have a line coming down. That's how we're getting to Charles the Charles Emmanuel uh, as the king. Charles the Charles the Fourth of England dies without heirs. 
seem to have a little bit of a pattern of that going on here. So the throne then passes to his brother, Victor, who in history sat on the throne of Sardinia as Victor Emmanuel I. Victor's daughter, Mary, follows him as Mary III. You might be wondering why she's Mary III, because in this alternate timeline, we never got to James II's daughter, Mary, sitting on the throne. But this is because the Jacobites consider Mary, Queen of Scots, to be the legitimate ruler of England since she was a descendant of Henry VII, and they didn't consider Elizabeth I legitimate. So in their eyes, Mary, Queen of Scots, was Mary II, which is why this Mary is now Mary III, because we never had the, in the real timeline, Mary II. Mary III's son, Francis I, next sits on the throne, followed by his niece, Mary, who rules as Mary IV. Mary's son, Robert, reigns as Robert I, followed by his son, Albert I. Then we come to the current monarch of Great Britain, Francis II, the son of Albert I, who at this point in actual real time, he's up in age, I believe he's in his 70s, uh, and is unmarried with no children. So his assumed heir is his brother, Max. Max's daughter, Sophie, is next in the line of succession, followed by her son, Joseph, who interestingly enough was actually born in the UK. The first in the line of this succession to have that distinction since it all started off with James III. The descendant of the man first known as the king across the water is actually a true born Brit. Talk about coming full circle. Another interesting anecdote related to this is that William, the Duke of Cambridge, the grandson of the current monarch, Elizabeth II, and second in line to the throne after his father, Charles, is actually a direct descendant of both James II and Charles II, thanks to his mother, Lady Lady Diana Spencer, whose bloodline is a result of an illegitimate child of Charles II, marrying a descendant of a illegitimate child of James II. So we have those two brothers who had illegitimate children. Eventually down the line, we have descendants of both those children marrying. And down the line from there, we get Lady Diana Spencer, the mother of the current William Duke of Cambridge. So William V, when he ascends to the throne, could technically be seen as a legitimate Jacobite heir. So another kind of those weird things of the king across the water the descendant of them and the person who has a legitimate claim to the throne actually was born in Britain the whole time and is actually in the current uh, line of succession for the uh, throne of Great Britain. So that does it for this episode of A Fork in Time. It's it's a short one, but it was a fun little journey to go on. Uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, this little trek down a counterfactual family tree. Is it any surprise that we went to Britain when I was in the host chair? But I hope it was fun and I hope you uh, met some people that you didn't know or maybe. Uh, remembered some people that you might have heard of but weren't quite sure sure who they were. I want to thank you again for joining me today. As always, we love having you. We would also love to hear from you. You can visit our website, which is a forkintimepodcast.com. Remember, A is important. The podcast is important, as we always say, to get in touch with us. You can fill out our COVID check-in. Even if you filled it out before, give us an update. It feels like the only constant there's been in 2020 is change. So check back in with us and let us know how things are going, even if you've checked in with us before. 
On the website also is a listener survey, so you can give us some feedback on the podcast. We do read that feedback. We do take it into account. So if you love what we're doing, if you think uh, you have a topic suggestion for us, if you think we should change something, leave it on the uh, listener survey, and we will definitely take those comments into account. Uh, you can also check us out on social media, and you can find links to those platforms from that website as well. Those are also great. Uh, social media is also great ways to let people know about the podcast. We always post the uh, link to the episode on our Facebook and our Twitter pages. So make sure you go share that if you know somebody who you think might find that topic uh, interesting. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in the podcatcher of your choice so you never miss an episode. They just show up in your feed. Again, again, we want to thank you for your time listening today. This is Alexis signing off for another episode of A Fork in Time. I'll end with that famous Yogi Bear adage adapted, as always. If you find a fork in time, take it. Thanks for listening to A Fork in Time, the alternate history podcast. Learn more about the podcast at www.aforkintimepodcast.com. Join us next time.